When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you have a wonderful Valentine's Day? I did. I hosted a lovely socially distant cum dump in my apartment. It okay. was um, lovely. Hallelujah. That was on Sunday, too. Okay. I know. The Lord's Day, honey. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't. Uh, do not save me your letters. Bob and I watched um, The Time Traveler's Wife with our patrons on Patreon, and um, I ate Domino's Pizza. Have you ever seen The Time Traveler's Wife? No. It's a movie with Eric Bana and Rachel McAdams. It's a very sappy romance movie. And Bob just had to, he like ruined it for me because it's about a man who travels back and forth in the future and he and he meets this woman at 25 and then he gets tethered to her. So he keeps on time traveling to different places she is in her life and he meets her when she's six years old. And Bob is like, oh, he groomed her into being this thing. And I'm like, we're not talking about grooming. It's like a romance movie that we're just, we're not, we're not participating, we're not, it's pedophilia cancel them pedophilia literally is how bob was is what bob was going on about but anyway that's well, aren't you glad that you have one reasonable t- podcast co-host on <laughs> another podcast ebony and irony well since we're in the mood i have some uh i i, I did nothing except look at a computer on valentine's day because i ain't got no man uh, <laughs> or i ain't got no woman either <laughs> um you can, you uh, can so, order a man have you ever have you ever rent uh rent man or rent boyd um well let's go to the poem okay okay <laughs> Honey, let, me, let me put it to you this way i'm 58 i've done everything um so uh i just sat around typing ridiculous poems on facebook like this uh-huh. roses are red violets are blue i'm out of lube so we gotta use poo and uh roses are shit violets are piss can't feel a dick so i need a fist (laughs) and then there's always roses are dumb violets are crap no one on grinder is into prolapse this is one from manila roses are red violets are blue ran out of hairspray so i used gorilla glue 
<laughs> I like it when they turned dark, like, um, roses are red, violets are blue, so was his cock when I bit it in two. Ooh. Or, roses are red, violets are blue, does this rag smell like chloroform to you? <laughs> <laughs> and we got Wrong. one from Hecklina. Uh, from San Francisco, Drag Diva. Roses are red and many more shades. Please don't get angry. I've given you AIDS. Oh, my God. What about roses are dried, violets are pressed, fracking's okay, but no H&M dress. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you didn't do anything fun for Valentine's Day, Bunny? You just hung out at home? I did. I mean, that's the safest thing to do. So that's what I'm doing. I tried to get a vaccine, but um, they weren't taking any. Uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of New York City girls. Pixie Aventura posted about getting her vaccine. And like two other girls are like, oh, got my vaccine today. I was like, wow, must, it's, I guess it's easy to get it in New York. huh? I tried to get a CDMD by me, but it, you, it, the line was like around the block. And I said, I'm not sending a line for this. Did you say that you worked in bars? Because that's it's like a restaurant bar worker. You might be able to qualify. But how do you prove that? Bitch, I was just like, yeah, I work, at, I work at a bar. They're like, uh, do you have some paperwork, bitch? Right, right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, some people get paid, so I don't know if that might be considered paperwork. But since you don't, true. Of course, um, I, I, I don't know if that was a read or if that was like you're being genuine. But okay, I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> And on that note, I think we should get to the headlines. What do you think? Let's do it. Hit it. Headlines. Full T, full disclosure. Um, I, I saw this headline about Gina Carano, and I didn't recognize her. And then I looked up her IMDb, and I know, I realized I know her from Deadpool. But in Deadpool, I thought she was a wrestler. So uh, I thought she was... I. I, I thought. Do you remember? The, do you remember the wrestler China from, yes. from the WWE? Yeah, that's what yes, I thought I it was. Um, she does look a little like China. She has a very square jaw. Yes, yes, girl. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of hers, and I've never seen the show. Um, don't Mandalorian. Hate me, but, yeah, yeah me I've never seen that, so I, I'm not familiar with her. But I'm always interested in people who are being canceled, losing their jobs, because sometimes it can be a bit much. Yes. So Gina um, Carano is being canceled because she has um, been cited as posting anti-Semitic things, queerphobic things. And um, and they're saying that she's another actor um, who is being fired because she's being because she's conservative. And it's like the new the quote unquote neo Hollywood blacklist firing conservative actors. Yes. And this is what Lucasfilm statement says. Her social media post denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable, and they fired her. So I think we should look at some of the reasons that, even though we're not necessarily fans, that she has been fired. Yeah. So she said a bunch of things, but apparently this is the one that kind of pushed the envelope and really 
upset a lot of people and was um, uh, uh, the catalyst for her being fired. It was a post that she put up. She put up on her Instagram story. Now she did not write this post herself. It was like a repost of a picture of something that she um, that that she saw. And uh, the post says, "Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children." Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that they get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews. The government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? And it is to note, the song, because you know you can add a song to Instagram story, the song is Nazi Punks Fuck Off by Dead, I don't know the song. Dead Kennedys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dead Kennedys. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there we go. Um, So that was the one that like Lucasfilms were like, okay, you're done. You're we get out of here. Okay, but so the it's listen when people make references to the Holocaust because it was so awful, um, it's it's probably not a smart thing to do to compare your struggle with that of the Holocaust. I mean, right. you can, but um, it's always going to get it's always going to raise eyebrows. So yeah. if you can find another way to say what she is trying to say is that people on the right, whether it's because of their association with Trump, are being singled out and hated um, Mm -hmm. because of the choices that they make. Now, she has, you know, has has apparently said something to lend credence to uh, Trump winning the election or there being uh, election fraud. Well, um, you know, I don't agree with her, but I don't know that she can't say that. Yeah, I, and again, I don't think people are saying that that she that she can't say that, but I think we are in a, in a political we are in a cultural time where aligning yourself with certain values is very off-putting to people, and people don't want to work with you when you are someone saying Trump won the election, the election was rigged. And again, you can say whatever you want. You can walk into a meet and greet. You can walk into a bar and call me the N-word, call me a fat, sloppy, whatever you want. But you also have to know that you will have to reap the consequences of saying whatever you want. And that's just how that works. Yes, and uh, the you and and you can be fired for your from your job, especially if you're in entertainment, um, for doing that if it comes to light. But her, let's say that she didn't mention Jews. She right. just said, "How is it different from hating anyone for their political views?" Because she's been getting shit, you know, online from the online cancel mob for mm-hmm. a while. Now the right does not love the talk of pro pronouns um and neither and the left does so she changed her twitter profile to say that her pronouns were beat bop boop to me that's funny and it reminds me of coco peru calling gays lgbt lmnop or bob saying lgbt backslash hashtag question mark dot dot backslash whatever because you know i mean we're in the community so that may make it you know different we can but listen we are so into these uh, some people are so into these pronouns way more than, and they're very vocal online way more than other people in real life are, especially the, the, the gay community, especially gay community, people in the gay community that are older, they, yeah. they don't care about that stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. It's not a defining moment, you know, for 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 them. And you know, so I I don't I don't I don't think that that's that bad. And as far as her being hated or Trump supporters being hated. I want to tell you what's in my experience of having mostly Democratic friends on social media. Mm -hmm. When Trump was elected, it was rumored that the Rockettes were going to perform at his uh, uh, inaugural. Mm -hmm. Gays were forwarding around their manager's number, which is within their rights. But I'm kind of like, you know what? These Rockettes, they work their fucking ass off. You know, this is a big deal to them to perform for a president, even if it's a president that you hate. They jumped on Jennifer Holliday, who, you know what? We don't know what if Jennifer Holiday is rich just because she's a star. She mm-hmm. may have needed the money. She's a, dynam- a dynamite performer. She may have needed to get up there and, and get seen doing her thing again to lead to other, you know, bookings. You know, I mean, yeah. not everyone can afford to, to pick and choose. Um, so I, I just I, I don't I, I'm always wary of the the online mob. I mean, for example, we had Jane County on the trans punk icon and on our show she used the word for trans person that sounds a little bit like tyranny and rhymes with granny Mm -hmm. now um that's on our show we're not out to get trans people we had one on and she used that word but some people would say that any utterance of that word is violence and that we gave violence a platform yeah i mean i think that the reason that this blew up with gina Mm -hmm. um is that it's like talking about the Holocaust, as I said, is like the third rail. It's it's probably, yeah. you know, not a good idea. But there are also reasons for that. Um, yeah. Because we have a very, uh, you know, I mean, a, a lot of people will, will, they love to criticize any criticism of Israel which is valid because, you know, both parties of the U.S. pay Israel's defense budget. So they sit over there enjoying Medicare for all and they tell us that we can't afford it. So we we definitely all of us, our tax dollars are funding Israel's defense. And if you say that, that's not anti-Semitic. You don't have a problem with Jewish people who do not do that. You have a problem with 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 Israeli aggression. And 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 crapping on Palestinian people. So it's hashtag it, free Palestine. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's always it's it, that's why it's always you know tricky. And and the anti-Semitic thing that was used to take down Jeremy Corbyn, who is a left-wing figure in England, a a, a leader. Bernie, uh, an article came out in a. I'm looking for it here. Oh yes, Washington Examiner. Bernie Sanders has an anti-Semitism problem. Bernie Sanders may be ethnically Jewish, but his campaign is rapidly turning out to be the most anti-Semitic in decades. I know that Bernie Sanders' campaign did not have anything bad to say about Jews. They criticized Israel at times. It certainly wasn't a centerpiece. Um, About the pronoun thing in the Twitter bio. And I do get that. And that was, again, another big thing that people hanker down on. And again, I think it is well in her right to say it, beep, bop, boop, whatever it is. And I I think she was probably trying to make a funny and thought she was being funny for her fans and her followers. But it's because... Again, it's because she's 
supported right-wing ideology that mocks transness and queer identities which is why people have a problem with that so i think that if this was an incident which she just tweeted that and she did not support rhetoric and people and politicians that are anti-trans and anti-queer then would not have the same gravity and and the same weight but because you support those things we're aligning this microaggression as problematic why do we focus on these issues when they're celebrities because we can easily reach them on their twitter accounts if you're really concerned about anti-semites then 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 go and 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 volunteer for the anti-defamation league go and volunteer for someone who helps you know foment understanding of pronouns if that's what you want to do you know it's it's like you can be on the right. But Joan Rivers was a Republican. Do I share any of her values? No, but I love her jokes. And so what we're what we're asked to do now mm-hmm. is to not just be a singer, not just be a drag queen, not just be um, you know, a coffee company like Starbucks, but to actually pad out our brand with different things that they that, that we care about. I don't know if I used this example before, but a friend of mine, drag queen, a little bit country, um, used on Facebook, all lives matter because she didn't understand that that was the Republican retort mm. to black lives matter to say, when you're saying, when someone's saying black lives matter and we don't want police to kill black people, the, the Republican thing is, well, all lives matter. She just meant, well, I think Black Lives Matter and like all lives matter. And they jumped on her. If we jump on these people instead of try to convince them, Mm -hmm. then we may have shut a door to understanding. And they're just going to think, oh, well, these people are are crazy. These people want me to think exactly the way they think. And, you know, I work on the edge. I say crazy stuff that people would think, you know, and I just think that if I don't stand up for people who have different approaches to running their social media or to Mm -hmm. politics, then they're going to come and get us. I get exactly what you're saying. I, and I understand that, but I think now we're just in a time where we want to make sure that our dollars the $9.99 I'm spending to buy your album on iTunes, that that $10 is important to me. And I want to make sure that this $10 is going to a person um, or an event or thing that I that I can support fully, you know, and I think that people are just trying to be more accountable in how they spend their money. And again, I don't know if that's only because of the time we're living in or because I've gotten older. Cause I feel I've obviously, cause I'm now I'm spending my money. I'm not spending my parents' money. I'm not spending my grandparents' money. I'm spending my money. So when I spend my money, I want to make sure that my hard earned dollars are going to someone that I can love and support fully. And again, I, I said this before, I don't think to, to, to make people a strive for sainthood or make people have sainthood. I don't think that's fair. Cause no one is perfect. No one, no, none of our favorite singers, sports players, actors, no one is fully a perfect person that is that is not possible all right it's not possible but for as much as i can see um, i would like to think that what i'm spending my money on is someone that i align myself with for for the majority of the facets of who they are and i totally see that and that is a younger outlook i guess what i do more since i don't expect to agree with many people mm-hmm. is i can compartmentalize it and mm-hmm. say you know i love your music and that's all 
I yeah. love your comedy, Joan Rivers, even though you're a Republican. I don't agree with, you know, this, but your comedy is is genius. So I don't, we didn't used to have social media presences. So it, we didn't used to hear anything except for what, you know, uh, these celebrities put out. My goal is to beat Republicans, not shut them down and not shame them because they don't agree with me. That's fair. Work. All right, Bunny. So, uh, old dummy 45 has been <laughs> acquitted um, by the Senate um, for um, in his impeachment. So, he, so again, because this all this political stuff, trying to stay on top of it is so, like, I'm, like, dizzy. So, Trump was impeached for a second time, but it was up by the House, but it was up to the Senate to, uh, to uh, what's the word? To convict him mm-hmm. of, um, of I don't know what they were convicting him of, actually. They were convicting him of inciting the violence inciting. at the Capitol. Right. And, uh, you know, they were saying that his words and other you know tweets or whatever led to that event um and that you know they needed to take a stand obviously they would also like for it to uh if there were another step that passed in the impeachment then they could ban him from running for office again which of course is, is in the interest of Democrats, and it's in my interest too. What I think is interesting about this is that Witch Hunt was trending the other day, and I looked at it. Mm-hmm. Now, I am a progressive on the left who some would call the far left. So I don't have any interest in, you know, Republicans uh, succeeding. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the, the, the Democrats who I like or who I dislike are the ones who are very corporate and who act too much like Republicans to my liking. But Bianca. I, <laughs> but I know what their arguments are. I know what the Republicans' arguments are. And the reason that witch hunt was, was trending, see, there's a couple of, of bad things here. Republicans think... Why won't they let Trump just do his job? Because for um, the, the the whole of his term, uh, you know, because a lot of the media is in the pockets of the establishment Democrats and Hillary Clinton in particular, her being a former first lady, secretary of state, they wanted to make it seem like Trump had won unfairly and was illegitimate. Whoopi Goldberg still refers to Trump as you know who. Many Love people it. change their their um their their profiles to, you know, 45 and as you say you love it because you you hate him. But but the thing is, are we making him a martyr by putting him through this impeachment number 1 which didn't which was never going to go through the senate it was never going to also russia gate which was 2 years of a trial and it ended with no collusion and saying that uh it had no effect on the election whatsoever and now this other impeachment for inciting the violence on the capitol it does look like a witch hunt. And again, I'd say, why not beat your opponents instead of 
you know, delegitimizing them. And I understand that you want to hold him to account so that something like the hap the capital does not happen again. But they were not able to do that. And well, the, yes, yes, they weren't able to do that. But I think that everything uh everything that they did try to do and they weren't i think democrats were trying to play the long game because they weren't just thinking about um um convicting him of yes he and it is clear we have there's video proof i i watched the videos the video testimonies and i saw all of that stuff and it was clear he did what he did he incited this riot on the sixth but not just convicting him of that i think they were playing the long game of barring him from being able to run again in the next election because god forbid if trump does decide to run again and he does so successfully and and he does clinch the nomination for the for the fucking rnc in four years and trump gets back in office do you know the he i feel like what he would be able to do would be cataclysm it will it will destroy the fucking foundation of the fucking earth and i think the democrats were trying to prevent that from happening but now he is acquitted trump can very much can very well run again in four years as of as as it stands today he will be able to do so in four more years exactly and so what i would like to say is as someone who supported Bernie Sanders and not Hillary Clinton, Hillary being the reason that we have Trump, why can't the Democrats be so much better than the past four years of Trump that he would not have a chance in hell? Why can't they show how they are going to get stimulus checks to people, how they are going to push for Medicare for all that 80% of people want, that they are not going to, to as Trump did, you know, uh, say to Bob Woodward on a recording that the, the coronavirus was lethal and then lie and not wear masks to the American people and to, to, you know, to downplay it because I don't know why. Why can't Democrats beat Trump? I mean, because, it's like Bunny, no matter what the Democrats do in these four years, the Democrats could fucking cure and end world hunger. The 72 million people that voted for Donald Trump will come back in four years. And if he runs again, they will try to get him in power, no matter what the Democrats do. And you know that they are, they are unhinged. They follow him like a cult. It is like, it is, it is cult-like behavior. And no matter what the Dems do in these next four years, will they, they can do nothing that would not that would not let those 72 million people i think i now i forget what number it was try to get trump back in office period yes it is a cult-like following and i do not agree that trump won the election that's why they went to the capitol to try to say that trump had won and to try to get mike pence to not certify it but the the democrats have an opportunity to hear to actually go to the left and actually help people to where they will be bound to the Democratic Party and there will be a clear difference between Trump's four years. And I just don't see that that is what's going to happen with Joe Biden other than nicer messaging than Trump, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, so there's a, a black woman named Cori Bush who was a progressive for first a Black Lives Matter advocate and uh, she won in, I believe, Missouri, and is now one of the progressives in the squad with AOC. She just won. And so I want to read a tweet that she put out after Trump was acquitted. Cori Bush, 
Some Republicans spent months trying to invalidate black, brown, and indigenous votes. They incited a deadly Confederate, Confederate battle flag waving insurrection. Now they've acquitted their supremacist in chief. Our answer? March, organize, vote them out. Now I want to read a couple of the comments from progressives who do not like the Democratic line of fire of slam Republicans all the time. They want the Democrats to do something. So, so this one, excuse me, you have a job you were specifically elected to do. You weren't elected to impeach Trump and then spend the rest of the time running for re-election. You were instructed to get Medicare for all passed and the $2,000 checks out the door. Do your job. Another one says, just fucking stop it. You are in power. You have a majority. Start talking about what the people need. That's what you were sent for, not to focus on how bad Republicans are. Yes, they're bad. We all know. Get to the business of pushing the Dems left. That's what we were promised. So that is why she was elected. Democrats do have the White House. They do have the a majority, however thin, in the House and the Senate. Yeah. When are they going to be Democrats. I mean, they didn't even Democrats were disappointed by this impeachment hearing because they said um, that they didn't call witnesses. They had a witness who was a Republican House member who was going to testify that the Republican leading the House, I don't know what you call him, minority speaker. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, he was going to testify that he contacted Trump and didn't do anything about it that what while this was happening but then they decided not to call any witnesses yeah i mean i, I mean i will say i will say that a majority did vote to have um they, they got seven seven uh republicans voted with the democrats so i, I think the democrats are working i do understand your point like we there uh, yes the, well it's so it's so hard because yes there are they're uh they're bigger fish to fry, but this is a big fish that we're trying to fry right now as well. So it's like we're the Dems are trying to be like octopus and trying to do like all these things. And but I do understand what you're saying. Yes, Cory Bush or was appointed by her constituents to fucking get the things that they want from our government. So and that's it, what that's what she campaigned on, and that's why they tweet retweeted her and donated. And she was you know seen as this progressive black woman who was going to lead the charge on uh and and challenge the democratic establishment yeah which can be very corporate as well as republicans you'll notice that aoc is given a much bigger microphone when she is blasting um republicans she's not given a microphone when she is blasting you know democrats and this is a something that mary trump who wrote the book about is is she the niece of trump I don't know what she is, child. Yes, she's, yes, she, she is. She is. She's been. She wrote a book about how crazy Trump was and how you should no way vote for him. And she's she's on the left. She wrote, she tweeted after the acquittal. Why does it feel like when the Republicans I have the that. majority, yeah. the Democratic minority has all the power, and when the Republicans are in the minority, the Democratic majority have no power. It um, would be very disappointing if they said, we're going to flip Georgia blue, we're going to get the checks out immediately, and then it's like, tick, 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 tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. Yeah. And you know what? That honestly, the Mary, Mary Trump's um, tweet is the million dollar question, and we'll find out from you guys in the next segment what you guys think about um, Trump's acquittal, and also um, Gina Carano and her, you know, 
deleterious behavior. Bunny, have you enjoyed using the stereo app? I have been using this platform. It feels like we're doing like a like an old school like radio show. Like I feel like how 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 you older people used to communicate. Well, Monet, I don't think that we want to sully this brand new and exciting stereo platform by making ageist comments about the fact that I have one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel. But I guess I, I guess I knew who you were before I began this travesty of a podcast, which we now bring to the stereo app with calls that we take from our Ebony and Irony podcast listeners. My thoughts on Trump's impeachment was that um, I think we all knew that he was going to get acquitted and the actual acquittal just shows how um, wrong and messed up the American political system is. Yeah, I, I, I do think that we all went in knowing that most likely these Republicans were not going to impeach Trump. Bitch, they were in the fucking trial playing Angry Bird. They were fucking... Uh, what is uh, Angry Bird? Uh, what is that? It's an... It's... <laughs> It's a it's a, it's a little app bird game on your on on your phone. It's like it's like a little game you play, like one of those little iPhone or Android games. What's an app? <laughs> uh, or you you may know it as an appetizer. Are that's you right are you familiar here. with appetizers, bitch? Uh, that's, oh, now I know that. Yeah, I think it shows problems with the uh, political system too. Um, but we did know that he wasn't going to get impeached, and my question is really. Uh, because they wouldn't get the votes. We knew that. We knew right. that with the first impeachment, too. So my fear is that it keeps Demo- – I'm glad they got it over quickly because it keeps Democrats from getting those checks out, which were supposed to go out immediately. And, you know, it's – it's they didn't go out immediately, and now the Senate is on a 10-day recess. And I don't think okay. that that is the way – to act in a crisis when people are facing eviction and uh, sitting in food lines for the first time in their lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not the American dream that I grew up with. And, and I just, you know, some people like to see Biden playing video games with his granddaughter, but I would really like to see <laughs> action, you know, in a, in a crisis. And, and, you know, if that means taking President's Day off and then the Senate staying in session, I would like for them to focus because my fear is that the, if you're doing impeachments, two of them that you know aren't going to get through, then yes, I know that Democrats are making a stand for not inciting an erection and even Mitch McConnell said um, that Trump it was a disgraceful dereliction of duty I think is what he said I mean he he was pretty damning of Trump in his comments because Trump is a different part of the Republican Party from Mitch McConnell um, right, the, right. The, and that's the good news for the left is that the right is now split between Trumpers and the old school Republicans who want to cut taxes on the wealthy. You know, yeah. I want to say I am such I am such a toddler earlier, and it was the right form of speech. But just I'm such like a seventh grader. You said Dems inciting an erection, and I was like. I'm a child. Well, All right, let's I wish to I could incite an erection around here. 
<laughs> Excellent. Hey, Moon, I am Bunny. So I love The Mandalorian. I think it's a great show. I'm not like a huge Star Wars fan, but like as a standalone show, it's great. About her being fired, like I feel like Disney multiple times reached out to her, told her we don't like that you're representing us this way, and she continued to do it. So it's like they are private business. They have the right to fire her if they don't like how she's representing them. And she clearly didn't care, and now she's fired. So I don't really think it's that big of a deal. I mean, it's a private company. They can do whatever they want. Even if we don't agree with that, that's just the reality. True. Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like if you if you work for Ernst & Young, if you work for H&M, if you do certain stuff that these people that you work for, they don't like, I guess. I mean, I, 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 that's kind of hairy, though. Like, if for example, when I used to. So I had a job before Dragos. I used to work full time at the Yale Club. And like a fucking idiot. Well, not an idiot, because obviously I am where I am now today. But I remember when I quit my job at the Yale Club. Bitch, I was making $20 an hour. I was working uh, 40 hours a week, lots of overtime, oftentimes. I was making coins, honey, and I had health insurance. Bitch, what? Anyway, I would be at the front desk, and I sometimes I would, because I was doing drag, and I would come to work with nail, with nail polish on. And, like, I remember my manager pulling me into office, and he was like, uh, you can't like do that like this is the Yale code this is a professional place you can't have nail polish on um and then some of my co-workers they were like you can't tell him that and it, it became like this whole thing and we got unionized and it was squashed and I could wear nail polish if I wanted but what if they were like we don't like this you, we don't like this behavior you can't wear nail polish so we're gonna fire you is is that the same thing is my question I, I think it was the not the problem that you were wearing nail polish is that the nail polish you were wearing is ugly <laughs> I think it was kind of chipped and you know the nails were dirty and there were feces underneath them and you were trying to serve food in a restaurant and it was just... it was not feces it's cum honey well, it was cum I agree with the caller that it is a private business and that they can fire her I just wonder if the calls for Gina Carano to be fired were this online lynch mob that if you don't agree with us, you're toast. What if you were working for Disney and your platform was Black Lives Matter and Abolish ICE and you got to where you were really getting to officials in officials' faces and, uh, you know, going to protests and it became a little bit sticky for, you know, Disney to do that listen it's public opinion isn't it so i just want to know if it's safe to let online mobs drive public opinion and uh that's why we discuss stuff like this on, because to, yeah. to, to be honest yeah. with you you know monet once said about me it's something that i love uh you can't get canceled if you stay canceled you know bunny and <laughs> and and there have been attempts to cancel monet there have been attempts to cancel many you know many drag queens and often i don't these know what you're talking about no one has ever tried to cancel me bunny not by any of public appearances i did on abc people would never do that to me <laughs> excuse me uh, I, I think megan mccain is on the line <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Bunny. Hi, Monet. Um, if the voting or like, you know, whatever it is, I'm very dumb. I don't know the correct terms, but if the voting was anonymous, do you think Trump would have been acquitted? Um, thank you guys so much. Love you both. Thank you. Oh, wow. That's a great question. Yeah. 
I absolutely think if it was anonymous, I think he would have been acquitted. I mean, I, I think I think he would have been convicted. Was, like was, that, was that proposed by anyone? Can they do an anonymous vote? Well, they did something last week, something else they voted on, and they did it anonymously. And it, like, something that they did not think would pass. I, I forget what it was. It, it was on The View, and Sunny was talking about it, and I forgot what it was. But something they did, like, last week, they did it anonymously, and a bunch of Republicans flipped. But this was an open vote, and everyone saw what your choice was. And so I think I think the anonymity factor fucked it up. And I think they should have did it anonymously. Who cares if they wanna if they don't wanna be punks? The bigger mission at hand was to was to convict him. So who cares? But I, I, I don't wanna give the Republicans too much credit. I, I don't want to 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 make it seem like they would do the right thing. Um yeah. uh and and, and I'm frankly disturbed at how often we are seeing Joe Biden talk about unity with the Republican Party and not with the progressives in his own party, of which I am one. Um, for And Nancy Pelosi said, after the Trump's acquittal, one of my prayers is that the Republicans will take back their party. The country needs a strong Republican Party. It's done so much for our country. And to have it be hijacked as a cult at this time is really a sad thing for America. Wait, what did the Republican Party, uh, what did a strong Republican Party do? They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything that Democrats want. They blocked everything that o- Obama was trying to do, uh, you know, in eight years. And to be reaching across the aisle to them just, and, and, and for Pelosi to say, I'm praying for a strong Republican Party. This is the hashtag resistance queen. So I, I, I don't want to give Republicans that much credit. Also, uh, Jay was letting us know that the Senate rules are currently that there has to be public voting. They can put forth a vote to change that, but if a senator asks for a public reading, they only need a fifth of the vote to approve reading the votings, um, the votings of yeas and nays. So, I think that's all we have time for today. Thank Again, thank y'all so much for tuning into the Stereo app. We will do this once a week. Just check out our socials when, we, when we're setting it up to go live. And such great and thoughtful questions. I really appreciate it. This was great. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. I have been a very big Michael Musto fan for a very long time. I knew of the legend of Michael Musto when I first started doing drag. And my first time ever seeing Michael Musto was when I was leaving Excess Bar in 2012 or 2011. And you were going in and you had your iconic uh, slippers on. Um, and I just love Michael Musso. So without further ado, our guest this week on Ebony Irony is the icon, the legend, Michael Musso. Oh. Hi, Michael. Hi, Monet. Did you think I was homeless that time? <laughs> I didn't I think was. Because I was. La-da-dee, la-da-da, la-da-dee, la-da-da. Michael is the longtime gossip columnist for The Village Voice, which is um, now gone. His column, La Dolce Musto, was the only part that a lot of people read of The Village Voice. He has two books, Downtown and Manhattan on the Rocks, and he now writes for everything from New York Times to Paper to Daily Beast to Queerty to New Now Next, and is an MSNBC contributor at Times. Michael, how are you doing? 
I do watch MSNBC. Yeah, very often. <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, I have not heard about this COVID thing people are talking about, so I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. Michael, wait, I, I, before we start, I do want to know, how did you, and do you remember the first time that you met Lady Bunny? Yes, uh, we were both waiting the Last Supper. Uh, we worked for a cater waiter. <laughs> <laughs> Bunny was serving Judas a lot, I would notice. Uh -huh. uh, Bunny, Bunny and I were the first king and queen of New York as crowned by Michael Alec at the Slimelight. Oh, my God. Shut up. Yes, yeah. we were. Yeah. What, a, what a pair. And we tried to monetize it, but nobody cared because it was kind of a bogus title. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we met way before that, like uh, somewhere in the East Village. Got it, and we've got always it. had a, a, a relationship similar to mine and yours, Monet, where we immediately act like we hate each other. And so it's so easy to just see each other for decades and say, ugh. <laughs> it's been so fun. Mike, so, Mike, you were born and raised. So people may not know about you that you are born and raised New Yorker. So you have seen, obviously, the city and queerness and gayness and all that stuff kind of implode and explode and all that stuff. When was the first thing that you started going out to clubs in the city? I started going out in the 70s, which was kind of the height of the disco era. And I'm not ashamed to say I loved disco music. I don't give a shit. It was gorgeous to dance to. You could act out, don't leave me this way. And then there was the flip side, which was, I will survive. You know, uh -huh. leave me, leave me. I'm fine with it. I'll be okay. And yeah. it was a communal experience because once you got into Studio 54, that wasn't easy. Gosh, yeah. Uh, it was a democracy on the dance floor, and you were dancing with Liza Minnelli and Margot Hemingway and all these crazy people, Truman Capote. And then downstairs, apparently, those very people were doing coke. I didn't even know about this till years later. If I could turn back time. <laughs> and in the balcony, there was anonymous sex. You sit down, and somebody's grabbing your hoo-ha. And it was a one-stop shopping for all your hedonistic needs with no cares about tomorrow. And gays were welcome. Queers were part and parcel of what made that disco era. In fact, disco started with black and gay communities. It bubbled yeah. up in the mainstream. You, you never were into the drugs. I mean, I never remember you as a mess from all no. those decades. That's why I'm still here, quite frankly, and that's why I've covered nightlife for so many years, and I've seen so many people sadly fall through the cracks. Yeah. I, even when Michael Allen was pushing drugs in my face, I would spit them out. Yeah. So I, I have no interest. I, I, I used to drink two watered-down drinks a night because I would be handed a stack of drink tickets when I walked mm. into a club. And then in the 90s, I just stopped drinking totally because I like to wake up and be totally clear-headed. Right. And, and remember what happened, which I always have. I've always written, like, pretty accurate shit. Especially about Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so, so you talk about the twos and threes of people at her shows and her really bad mixing and her bad songs and her bad records constantly. And the people screaming, get off, shut up. Got it, mm -hmm. got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> so you had a band called Michael Musto and the Must. And uh, you did share the stage with Madonna at one time. What was Michael Musto and the Must all about? We were a Motown cover band. I was like a, a male gay Diana Ross, sort of like Michael Jackson, too soon. <laughs> um, <but laughs> we shared the bill. This is when Madonna was an up-and-coming diva, pre-Madonna, wow. as it were, but she was a pre-Madonna. Um, <laughs> we didn't share the stage, but we shared the bill. We were equal billing in the ads. Madonna, Michael Musto, and the Must, or it was just the Must at that point. Uh, because later it became Michael Musto and the most like Diana Ross and the Supremes. Okay. And 
she, uh, Madonna gave attitude already. She sound checked that microphone from every angle to the point where we stood there waiting for our sound check, which never happened because she checked for so long that they had to open the doors to the club for the crowd to come in. Wow. Uh, and then and then she lip synced. And then after our get, we went on first, we go to the shared dressing room and our friends are greeting us. And her manager at the time was Camille Barbone. And she said, you cannot greet friends here because Madonna's getting ready. And I went off on her and said, look, we couldn't even have a sound check. How dare you? This is our shared dressing room. You're going to have to deal with it. And she backed down. And I thought it was odd because Madonna later made the world her gynecologist. Uh, <laughs> odd that she was uncomfortable dressing or undressing in front of strangers. Give me a break. That she made a career out of that. <laughs> what what, what song think, would have Madonna been doing at this time? Spotlight or Everybody or any of her hits at that time? Or this was pre-record deal? You know what? I zoned out during her performance, but she <laughs> because I was fuming. <laughs> Where was it? Where was this? It was a what place. Club? Chase Park, which was a Chase Bank, um, oh, wow. turned into a nightclub. She probably liked the idea that it was a bank. Mm. <laughs> I said, you know what? I said, this bitch is going nowhere. And I still say I was right. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, speaking of your love for all things Diana Ross and the Supremes, Mary Wilson just passed yes. last week. Rest You've in run peace. into ep absolutely everyone. Um, do, did you ever have a run in or story about Mary Wilson? I loved Mary. Um, she turned the Greek chorus of Motown backup singing into an art, her and Flo, mm -hmm. and then it was her and Cindy. Uh, interestingly, when Diana left the group, uh, Mary was not chosen by Barry Gordy to become lead singer. They chose Jeannie Terrell, who sounded more like Diana Ross. Mary had more of a smoky, sexy, jazzy voice. I mm. saw Mary perform uh, two years ago at the Cafe Carlisle. She was spectacular. She really was talented. Um, if you all remember the Motown 25 show in 1983 on TV, I don't know if you knew uh, what went on during the taping, which was edited for the, the show that, that later aired. Uh-huh. Remember when Diana grabbed Mary's mic? Diana came with all this attitude. Mary thought it would be a night to bury the hatchet. Instead, Diana poured salt on the wounds. Because when Mary and Cindy, Diana would move forward on stage during their number of Someday We'll Be Together. <laughs> and Cindy had pre-planned it. When she moves forward, we move forward too. <laughs> well, the third time they did it, Diana lost it and lost the words of the song. So Mary started singing. That truly drove Diana over the edge. I love and, it. And uh, Mary started talking over Diana singing, uh, over Mary singing. And then Mary started talking, and it led to Diana literally grabbing Mary's microphone as the audience gasped and, and pulling it away from Mary's face. That was all edited from the show. So the Supremes performance is a total botch. And Michael Lord. Jackson walked away with the whole show anyway. That's the night that made him a superstar. So now, Michael, so obviously you are an American journalist and you are for, for your entire career. How did you get Village Voice? Were you, because what I've heard, the story I've heard is that you were writing op-eds and then they saw you and they're like, you need to write for us full time. I had done a few pieces for them and then there was an opening uh, because Arthur Bell, who was a legendary gay gossip columnist, sadly died. I waited a respectable amount of time and wrote to Karen Durbin, my editor there, and said, are you looking for someone? She said, you'll have to write a sample column. It was kind of an audition. And they even mm. paid for the audition, which I thought was very professional. Yeah. And I met with the editor. And they wanted someone who was plugged into the nightlife. Um, not only did I write about nightlife, I wrote about movie premieres and theater and fashion week and politics. But yeah. um, the fact that I was already so connected with the nightlife really helped 
clinch me the job and they like my sample column. And from there on, that was in 1984, they said, write whatever you want, take the ball and run with it. And that was the most liberating thing as a writer. I'm so spoiled from that experience. Well, you know, I, I growing up in New York, I would like walk when I would go like shopping with my friends in Soho and go on an Astor Place, I would see those little red fucking boxes that had the Village Voice in there. And I didn't even know what was in the Village Voice. And it was like, oh, girl, just like pick it up and like, look in the back. I was like, what's in the back of the Village Voice? And I remember picking the paper. And that's how I like found out it, that was like the back page stuff with like all the hookers and the thises and the thats and the boops. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. And that's how I found out about, honestly, lots of queer and gay nightlife and and hookers and rent boys and all that shit. Well, not just that. It's how you met your mom. She had an ad in the back. <laughs> but you're still looking for your father, aren't you? <laughs> um, what? What? Now, now, so you mentioned that, that that was a freedom to write whatever you want. What's different about that today? Oh, there's still the freedom. But, I mean, this was a Pulitzer Prize-winning publication. You can write whatever you want online to the detriment of truth because now there's so much misinformation out there. Yeah. My, column, my column was fact-checked. It was edited three times. You know, I was on the phone with legal. You know, it was very vetted. But within those limits, they said, just, just have fun, have a ball, romp away. I could do a whole column just on my thoughts about the AIDS uh, plague at the time. Because, yes, Monet and Bunny, I've been through nine plagues. I'm like a Sondheim song already. <laughs> <laughs> I've been through 9-11, and I'm here. <laughs> and, uh, no, just do a think column just do a column of blind items just do an interview with a drag queen yeah at that time it was not the way to become rich and famous writing about drag and trans people but hey right. I yeah I went there that right. was the world that i love i love nightlife because it is a family that you know it can be bitchy but they pretty much accept you the way your family back home did it and did you did you ever write anything in in the village voice that kind of set nightlife on fire. People are like, I cannot believe Michael did this. Did you have like a scandalous uh, uh, a moment? Well, I did the blind item about Michael Elegant Freeze killing Angel Melendez, and I had all the detail, you know, a lot of the details in there. And Please talk to us about that because the kids don't know. Because um, if, if in case anyone listening doesn't know, Michael Alec recently passed away, and like there was so much uproar on Facebook. People were like, because some people would be like, "May he rest in peace." And people were like, "How dare you say may he rest in peace?" He was a, you know. So talk to us about that. Well, for those who don't know, Michael Alec was called the king of the club kids. He was a promoter who Michael and I both worked for at clubs like the Limelight Building Tunnel. And, of course, he did uh, with Freeze kill um, his roommate and drug dealer, Angel. Well, in a gruesome. I, you know, I'm, I, am I supposed to pretend I never knew Michael Alec? You know, I, I not only knew him, I was at practically every event. I was on invitations. I went on the talk shows. But the thing is, I would praise what was good about him, which was he was refreshingly against bourgeois values and boredom and complacency. And he provided a family for disenfranchised queer youth. But I also would constantly criticize him for going too far and calling him the bad seed in cha-cha heels. At one point, I said he's an arrested child who should be arrested. That was very prophetic. Uh, but I'm not, when he dies, am I supposed to just pretend, oh, I never met the guy. I didn't know anything about him. I'm not going to pretend that way. However, somebody recently started a GoFundMe for his funeral. Oh, really? And I have a better suggestion. We should chop up the body and throw it in the Hudson. <laughs> 
Is that too harsh? Too soon? Oh, 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 oh. Well, going, going back to your point you said, that's that's kind of where, like, a lot of society is with, like, wokeness and all these, like, you know, social justice warriors. They're like, well, if Michael Alec did all this stuff, the fact, like, like, like you said, like, you you were reporting on, on all the actualities. Like, was he a terrible person? Yes. Did he do good things? Yes. And so I think, but now people just want to paint someone with one broad stroke of he did one thing, so he, yeah. so everything that he has yeah. touched is poison, and you're like, no, I'm going to talk about the dynamics of this person, because that's we're what it is. Exactly. And he, he was a liberator, and he was an oppressor at the same time. It does happen. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, li- yeah, I mean, listen, Michael, you know, he didn't create Amanda Lepore, but he employed her regularly. He employed me. He employed designers, DJs, you know, everything. I mean, he was good at what he did. I mean, yes, there would be horrible incidents where he would pee in a drink and offer it to you um you know or spit in your mouth Um, i mean i'm into both of those things so what's up right well then you would have loved him so uh. (laughs) honey was appalled because she prefers number two (laughs) (laughs) and um michael you also wrote a book um manhattan on the rocks which kind of talked about new york being over do you still do you still have those same feelings about New York? I actually have a lot of optimism about when we finally get over this COVID shit. I think nightlife's gonna be incredible because people are first of all dying to socialize up close again. Right now, some bars are reopening and it's mm-hmm. weird because you're wearing a mask. You really oh. have wearing the mask even if you had the two vaccines. We This year is shot, let's face it. Yeah. And, and the socializing in a bar now is like, from across the room, you're screaming through your mask that somebody's eyebrows look fierce because that's all you can see. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and we, have, we have drag queens uh, online saying make some noise and the only noise you hear are people clanking the comments <laughs> or, or coughing yeah <laughs> well you know what and, and, and i was just saying I, I just had to do a show this weekend and, and and i really honestly envy the girls who are who 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 have to do it multiple times a week because performing in the masks and um and having like your hot breath coming back at you your lip gloss all over your mask you can't see you're sweating it's like i really so for girls if you can go out to shows and stuff and support girls please 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 tip them abundantly because they're fucking working very hard for you yes. i just want to say that they're working twice as hard as usual, and they always yeah. work really hard. Yeah. But uh, I really think when we're in the clear, nightlife is going to be incredible because there are so many empty spaces. Everything's gone out of business. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to look down at a dance club wanting to open. If somebody has enough money to open a club, I don't think the community boards are going to say, no, we're not going to have you go take over that space. Mm. And I think there's going to be an explosion uh, not seen since the 70s and the 80s. Ah, but what, what? Why did you? Why did you think it was dying before? Did you think that it was oversaturated? Do you think that there was too much going on and it was killing New York City nightlife? Well, starting in the '90s, Rudy Giuliani destroyed nightlife. Uh, then, but he made it safer, though. Uh, safer is the last thing you want to be in a nightclub. You want danger. <laughs> That's why we're there for something bad to happen. Yeah, within limits, within legal limits. Yeah. But. Um, uh, then came the internet, and of course, people can just carry on online. They don't have to leave the house. Yeah. Then came the community boards growing in power and, and turning down anybody who wants a, a liquor license or a dance license. 
Mm. But when Mayor de Blasio, I know people hate him, but he did say he's going to ignore the cabaret laws, which Giuliani re revived. These were archaic laws that were originally designed to keep black people out in the 20s. Now yeah. they become used in the 90s just to shut down any bar that has somebody dancing or even moving in place. If you find yourself like moving to the music, the, the cops would have raided you. Gotcha. Right. So, so even though it was called a cabaret license, it had nothing to do with cabaret. It would be used to shut down places where you were dancing. And they would literally come in to Boy Bar, which did not have a cabaret license, and stop people from dancing. I remember that well. And oh, I so really you need so you a needed dance. a cabaret license to have music and dance. Yes. Yes. Got it. And they would even, as Michael said, they would interpret, ooh, moving around a little bit. Because if you had a few cocktails, you want to start shaking it. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that happened is it became so expensive to open a space in New York. That, and, and the zoning and all that stuff made it so that everybody moved to Williamsburg and Bushwick and farther and farther away, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is fine. That's still New York. Believe me, I'm from Brooklyn. It really counts. But yeah. <laughs> I think Manhattan is going to have a renaissance of dance and all kinds of clubs. Right now, every gay bar is the same. They fit 50 people. They sit there for happy hour with their friends. They're looking at their phone. Then there's a drag show where they watch Drag Race. You know, whoop-de-doo, that's great. That's not really nightlife to me. We never used to leave the house to watch a TV show. God, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I there was I, something there was something in the clubs going on culturally that was way fresher than anything on tv yeah and i worship drag i love you all but let's mix up the entertainment let's have a jail singer a comedian that's not a drag queen let's have queer entertainment oh my god i i honestly i i my, michael i know obviously i'm from the show blah 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 but i love that idea so much like 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 watching like some movies and you see how like entertainment wasn't just a drag show seven nights a week one night was comedians one night was it that like i would i would I, one night would see some bitch with a fucking piano and singing some standards and singing that that would be great and to create a space like that that honestly i'm so into that michael I love it's going to come back. It's, I, I'm so excited. And you're all going to have to wheel me in there. <laughs> I went to the mine shaft twice. The, the height of 70s. Sex was everywhere, Monet. You should have been around. Uh, oh, I'm so jealous. I'm so this, fucking jealous. Yeah, because this was after Stonewall. And it was before AIDS. And if two gay men were in a room, they were going to fuck. Let's face uh, it. That and sounds lovely. Sex was in the baths. It was in the clubs. It was uh, in the trucks, literally. And it was on the piers. <laughs> and it was a place called the Mine Shaft where I walked in. I was like, oh, this is going to be hot. The, the, the rug, it was like some cheap carpet-to-carpet rug squished from the body fluids as you walk. Oh, my God. Center of the room, there's a gigantic tub, bathtub. It was very Whitney Houston. And... Um, <laughs> Oh some, lo <laughs> some lucky guy is laying in there and get everyone's gathered around peeing on him. Oh my God. Cheers. It was like your neighborhood friendly bar. <laughs> well, you know, I will say some of like some of my favorite moments, honestly, and it sounds so crazy to say, but like you sometimes you walk into industry bar and there was that red couch in the in like the back left corner, and there's someone like at least twice a week, someone was always just sitting on there getting a blowjob, like in the middle of a busy night at the bar, someone is just getting their dicks. Like I'm like, this feels like what New York used to be like. I don't know for a fact, but this just feels kind of fierce. I used to love it. Bring back the dirty. Honestly, yes. a little bit, a little bit. I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> Michael, uh, you were a good friend of Nelson Sullivan, whose videos have come uh, become cult favorites on YouTube because he was uh, 
you know, a videographer who caught all of the downtown scene, uh, early uh, RuPaul, Bunny, uh, Paige, you know, uh, Christine. Remember Christine? Uh, Lee Bowery. Yeah, I mean, give us your memory of, of Nelson. How did you two meet? We met through Bramp Mewborn, who was in my band. He was one of my backup singers for the Motown band. Okay. And um, Nelson was this sweet Southern guy, real gent. And he worked at a uptown music store where they sold like sheet music. It was like so not part of the downtown scene. But at night, he would dress like Amnesia Sparkles. That was his drag character. <laughs> and he would carry around this heavy, heavy video camera. This was way before you could just lift up your phone. He had an exclusive on the scene, and we would talk almost every day, and I, we'd say, what are you doing tonight? And I would tell him I'm going to area. He would follow me to area. He would follow me on my gigs with my band or my parents' house in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, for the holidays. Every time I farted, he wow. got it on camera. And he, <laughs> the great thing about it is we didn't know anybody would ever see these videos. There was no internet. There was no YouTube. He, the next day, he would give me a tape. Oh, here's from last night. Here's a tape of what happened. Yeah. And I would think, you know, I would watch it. It was like nobody else was watching it. Uh-huh. Years later, it shows up on YouTube. And now we're legendary from these videos. Oh, girl. And, and for, for all the kids who, who, who what, what Bunny and Michael are talk, uh, talking about, there's all those videos you see of like Rue at the bodega or like Bunny, like bending her ass. The one, the, uh, there's one of Bunny on like 14th Street with her ass, you like bending over and like going up, some shit like that. All those videos from like the 80s and early 90s, that's, that's what you're talking about. Nelson Sullivan, who would capture all of this stuff. And that's one of me and uh, Albert and Lizards who play and her son on the, on the train. And I, it has like three or four million views. Wow. <laughs> Just because it's a glimpse of the old New York. And the thing is, we were not self-conscious for Nelson's camera because we didn't think anybody would ever see it. Right. We, were right. Just, uh, we loved his camera. We loved acting for it. But we weren't holding back. And yeah. that's why they're so good. And there's one video called Bunny Needs Coke Money of me <laughs> trying to borrow money from, because I lived with Nelson. So, you oh. know, he always had that camera out. It's a 12-hour video. <laughs> in my mind this this video camera is like the size of a subaru or was yes. it not he, it was clunky he eventually got a better one but he didn't he care like, that kind of, he was a little bit shy and i think that made him popular when he would show up with that camera everybody wanted to see nelson was nelson cute yes horrible yes okay bunny did you and nelson ever hook up no we never did uh, oh, bunny did you no okay of course i didn't Lies, oh, but you mentioned you mentioned that a guy was cute that's been dead for uh, uh, years, and you're like, ooh, ooh, did you hook up, girl? <laughs> I want to know, girl. No, she means when he was alive. <laughs> yeah, when he was alive, buddy. No, no, buddy. I don't, I don't think you're into fucking necromancy. Okay, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I mean, it buddy, was my, hey. it was my idea to have Michael on. But, but. But the now I didn't like to be filmed by Nelson because that video was always out. I mean, I said do anything, and if I'm in drag, whatever you want. But when you live with somebody, I didn't want the real world before the real world. But the, my favorite video of his is when I said videotape my hand, and I'm wiggling my finger because his dog blackout. I could make them. I could sit. They would all be sitting in this big room, mm -hmm. and I could wiggle my finger and make a blackout bite Nelson, his <laughs> owner, from across the room. That was my favorite. 
Because I've loved, loved, loved Blackout, who we you know had. I think we had Blackout after Nelson died. Oh, wow. So. I love the videos because to me they prove that I exist. <laughs> yeah. And well, it's like, yes, I really met RuPaul. I swear. See, I know RuPaul. Well, <laughs> it's so funny because I remember, like, I remember seeing videos of you. You used to do stuff with, like, MTV, right? Or am I making that yes, up? Yes, yes. In the 80s, this wonderful woman, Elisa Bellatini, liked my style. She had me doing segments for MTV. I was so gay. I was wearing feathers and shit. I really was, like, one of the first gays on TV, let me tell you. And then in the 90s, I got on the Gossip Show on the E! Channel. I was on that the show. The E! Channel. Yes, uh, yes. And that was the same as The Voice. They said, you have to audition. I did a segment. They loved it. I became one of their top people. And you just look at the camera and gossip like I'm doing now. Wow. But I have to say, I think I do have COVID. Uh, not to switch gears here, but I've lost all sense of feeling. And uh, this morning, I answered the iron. And... <laughs> the good news is it was Helen Keller calling. We had a really nice catch-up call. Uh -huh. well, have you lost your sense of smell and taste, too? No, thank God. Because oh, okay. I'm I'm into Scott, so. <laughs> he lost the taste in the 80s, Everything's girl. Everything's good. And then when you transitioned to working with, like, the New York Times, uh, which you aren't currently, it's New York Times, Paper, and W, and all those places, do you feel the need to be a bit more censored because of current political times? Or are you still, you know, speak, reporting on things and speaking of things how you, how you would back in the 80s and 90s? Dishing it out. Uh, yeah, I find that sometimes publications want my voice. Oh, we love your voice. And then they really can't deal with it. So I know now to kind of hold back a little bit and write to style for each publication. God. Otherwise, it's not going to run. But I'd much rather write for places, even if they don't pay as much, that just let you run free. The Village yeah. Voice spoiled me for all time. Right. Yeah, and right. I mean, even though the Village Voice was, you know, available nationally, in print uh, before the in and, and wider, you know, after the internet, before that, I mean, it, it, it kind of felt, reading it anyway, like it was a New York centric downtown scene clubhouse column. Yeah. yeah. Very famous column. So well, maybe that, maybe that enabled you to kind of like, you know, make jokes in jokes or you know, about the people who we all knew and saw out of the club or whether it was a Jocelyn Wildenstein appearance or, you know, whatever. It was a time when I wrote really an events column primarily. And you couldn't do that now. Events are not, I'm not even talking about COVID lockdown. I'm talking about in general, events are not what they were. They're much more regimented. There's so much press of internet Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, it's all red carpet and very boring. Back then, we would go to clubs. There'd be celebrities you could talk to at the clubs. I would get quotes. I got amazing stuff for that column. But it's a different time. And now I find Facebook, even though it doesn't pay, it's just as gratifying to put something on Facebook. You get it up there right away. You can say almost whatever you want. They have to yeah. avoid the algorithms. Yeah. Don't bitch or horror or hate or just use asterisks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I looked on your pa I looked on your page, uh, and you have a new column in Chelsea Community News: "Confessions of an Attention Whore." Please read this, and a quote from it that interested me was this: "You saying." And constantly pushing your name out there can be wearying. It's important to believe in your, quote, brand, unquote. But it's just as rewarding to sit back and relax that your work and life generate their own success without trying. 
Once you stop striving so hard, you can relax and just be confident in your accomplishments and your merit. Now, this this might I, I think there's wisdom in that, but this might be hard for younger people to take since now even non-performers, non-writers have a brand and they are constantly pushing themselves for likes on dozens of platforms even without an act. Yes, and I would say to the young people, if you have merit, if you have talent, you're going to make it. The cream rises in this society. Yes, you do have to push yourself when you're starting out. People aren't going to knock your door down. You have to let the world know of your existence and what you're capable of doing. But striving can be so debilitating. I'm at an age now, I don't want to pitch myself. Hey, folks, I'm 90 years old. Interested in me? <laughs> it's, it's pathetic. It's embarrassing. It I works for me. <laughs> I want to live on the glow. Uh, you know, half the people that I run into, you're an icon, you're an icon. The other half are like, what was your name again? I'd rather block out the what was your name again crowd, just pretend I'm an icon, and just live off of that. Yeah. Uh, the pushing, pushing, pushing can take it all out of you. Just do. Just achieve. Achievement does get noticed. At least I'm yeah. with that. But before we go, I want to bring the bring back to this point again. And I think that back in the 80s and 90s, like bars weren't afraid to try different things, like try comedians, blah, blah, blah. I think today bars are so concerned with numbers and sales that then they're afraid to have someone come with, come in with a piano and sing and sing. They're afraid to have a comedian do some sets because they might be bad and people are going to leave. But I think like back in the 80s and 90s, they bitches weren't afraid to try shit out and make shit pop in. Well, and they also did not do the obvious. Right. You know, having a drag race screening is the obvious. And there was the club culture, which was separate. We had our own divas. We loved house music divas. Mm -hmm. We loved certain DJs. We loved some people like Kenny Kenny, who were just hosts. Yeah. Kevin yeah. Aviance. Yeah. MCs. Michael, uh, do you have a Valentine's Day poem for us? I do. Even though, <laughs> if, if, even though Valentine's Day was a week ago, uh, every, every uh, we're, we're we're still suffering. I mean, celebrating. <laughs> there once was a man from Nantucket whose dick was so long he could suck it. As he wiped off his chin, he said with a grin, "If my nose was a cunt, I would fuck it." <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, that is beautiful. Tell people where they can reach you, Michael. Uh, on the wall of the Mind Chef is my phone number. Uh, <laughs> I, on Twitter, I'm Mikey Mikey Musto. Uh -huh. I'm also on Facebook, plus I have a fan page. I'm on Instagram, but I don't really look. Okay. okay. So M-I-K-E-Y-M-U-S-T-O on Twitter. Yes. And, and Michael Musto on Facebook. Thank, Thank you so you much so for coming much. on. This is Thank so fun. Thank you for having me. This is great. Thank you so much. Bunny, that's an episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Remember to subscribe and give us a good rating, honey. We need it. We're new. Yes, I don't get yes, to say yes. that often. I'm new. I, Lady Bunny, am new. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought you said I, Lady Bunny, am new, and I literally almost threw up in my mouth. Oh, I just got hard at that visual. <laughs> um, yes, Bunny is right. Please, please go to Apple Music and give us a rating. <laughs> And uh, make sure that you subscribe to our podcast. Again, it really helps us out and it's really important. It really, 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 really does wonder. So make sure you go to Apple Podcasts and do that for us. And you do not want to miss our upcoming guests. We have got Latrice motherfucking Royale. And you will want to get her nuts into your face because she has some <laughs> new ones. Uh, comedian Margaret Cho. 
will join us yeah. the following week. So yeah. take care and we will see you around. All right. Bunny, I hope you have a terrible week. You do the same, okay. Angel. Okay, pussy. <laughs> 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 Podcast Network.